There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with co-host Catherine Brandt, L.A. Nick, Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen, Melissa Kirk, Andy Brandt-Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. And we have a very special guest coming up next. Richard Pryor Jr. will join us right after this with the family. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Really? Don't worry. Be happy. Yeah. I'm worried. What? I'm worried. Why? We're not worried. We're being happy, aren't we? It's a no worry Wednesday. <laughs> okay, whatever. Oh, it's a no worry Wednesday. Well, well I'm glad to hear that. Tell me when uh, Richard's ready to go. He is ready. Oh, Richard's ready. Richard yep. Pryor Jr., ladies and gentlemen. How are you? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. Uh, you know who Tone Bell is? You ever heard of comedian and actor Tone Bell? Yes, I have. Well, he he had him, nothing but, but yeah he uh, he had nothing but good things to say about you. He was in studio last week and uh, he just he he saw your name on the docket for this week and he was he was very excited. He said, "I wish I'd have been here for that." So tip of the cap from oh, cool. uh, Tone Bell <laughs> to you. Yeah, it is very cool. No, it's very very cool. In a prior life, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, Richard Jr.'s self-proclaimed freakish life paralleled his famous fathers and namesake in many ways, a Peoria whorehouse, abuse, alcohol, drug addiction, as well as frequent bad decisions. You know, Richard, looking at that, uh, I didn't have the drug addiction, but pretty much everything else, I could have been Richard Pryor the third. <laughs> As well as frequent bad decisions, particularly that the bad decisions. However, he survived, and that's what yeah. his book is about—a real-life story of overwhelming obstacles, surviving, and thriving. What's great, Richard, is—and you and I talked about this before—that uh, I was a huge fan of, of your dad. And uh, you know, we found out as time went by that he, you know, he had his specific problem. It can't be easy growing up when you're. Your mom and your grandmother uh, run a whorehouse in Peoria, Illinois, and it, it's going to have a huge effect on you and life and, uh, you know, way uh, that your grandfather died and all the rest of it. And I remember him talking about that. And you're going you're gonna to pick up on all that stuff. No matter what you do, Richard Pryor Jr., you're going to pick up on all that stuff, and it's yeah. going to be passed along to you through no one's fault, really. It's just the way life is. It just got on. It eventually gets dumped on the next generation, doesn't it? True, true. It's, it's like, you know, you, you you say that you're not going to be a part of this, you're not going to do this, but when that's all you know and that's all you see, it's almost like a thing that is inevitable that you're going to fall into that in some sort of way. But figuring out what you're going to do after you're in a part of that, you know, how are you going to, what direction you're going to go? Are you going to go left or are you going to go right? And that's the thing of figuring it out in life, you know. That's the thing that was difficult. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, Richard, I don't even know where to start. There's so many things I want to ask you about. So maybe I'll just, I will, uh, I'll, I'll launch here and then, and you could take it wherever you, you want to take it. The one that, that jumped out at me yeah. was you were, you were blamed for your father's death. Yeah, I had some social media tabloid um, put a picture up of me when I was in a film as a female impersonator in a film. And they had the headline that I was a, um, a transvestite. And then pretty much was told, it, no wonder why my dad died and all that stuff. It was, it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> God, that's terrible. Yeah. So basically, you can't yeah. be an actor. If you're dressed in drag, you have to be whatever you are. It just amazes me that... that oh, yeah. Richard, I got to be honest with you. Social media, I can't do it. I tried to do Twitter and Facebook. I can't do it because people will go way out of their way to be as mean as they can, and I don't understand that. Oh I don't get God. it. Oh, I, I I see it all. And then it was, what the thing about it is so bad is that people, if you aren't uh, kind to them in the way manner that they see fit, or respond to them in the way that they want you to respond to. Then you're just an evil person and not a good person, and you're horrible. Or even if you don't get to them in time, if they consider, you know, their time frame, uh, yeah, you get cut down and shot out and everything else that goes along with it. And then, of course, there no. people asking for money and asking to be a part of the projects. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't ask you for money, Richard. That never happens, does it? Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah, that doesn't happen, yeah. <laughs> It's funny bringing up Tone Bell again is what we talked about last week. Tone said that, uh, I said, what's the biggest problem you got now that you have a movies and a TV show and you're touring and doing comedy and all the rest of it? He said, my biggest problem is trying to tell my friends I can't give them any money. And that's, that's yeah. very true, isn't it? That's why you have to get all new friends when yeah. you become famous. I guess. <laughs> it's too bad. You really and then that's why people, and, then, and then people don't understand, you know, yeah. So well, you're a horrible guy then. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. You know, I'm, I'm going back to my hometown uh, next week and actually do a book signing there. And so I'm kind of like nervous because I don't know what to expect <laughs> because yeah. sometimes when you're in your hometown, those people are not the nicest people to you because they feel they know you so well, you know, and the way you're treated is totally different, you know. Mm-hmm. It is a scripture that says a man in a country is without honor. In his own countries without honor, so it's kind of like that same feeling. You know, when you go there, you get kind of nervous and uptight. You, you know, because I know how my dad was received. There, people loved him, but overall, the city itself didn't embrace him until after he passed, pretty much. Well, right. I don't know. I was, a, I was Richard. I, I was a, a fan of your dad, and I actually met your dad quite a few times because I was good friends with Paulie Shore's mom, Mitzi Shore, and your dad was. Oh, Mitzi, yeah. Yeah, and Mitzi was a true friend to me, and and. Your dad and Mitzi were best friends, 
for a long time. Yeah. I mean, inseparable. And, uh, you know, your dad had a true family at the, at the, in the comedy world that didn't matter what he did, they loved him and, and respected yeah. him. And, and that, to me, that, that's something you can't buy. So no matter all the negative stuff, he had pure love there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. I used to work there at the comedy store as well, so I totally yeah, it's such a spe- such a special place. And I I used to sit in your dad's dressing room, in the back behind the backstage, and you know there you know that dressing room is still exactly the way your father left it. Wow! It's never been touched. Mitzi never opened it again when you after your dad stopped using it. It's been locked ever since. Oh, my God. Really? Yes, the, the wallpaper's still uh, all the faces and still exactly the same to this day. Man, that's something else. That is a great deal. Now, Richard, I have to tell you one thing. The only downside of the entire Pryor family for me is as a white man in America today, I don't like the fact that I can't say the name of your father, three of your father's albums, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I don't like I don't like saying them either. So, I <laughs> but I love them so much. Uh, you know, I, I just and you hear that all the time. I understand it's got to be a difficult deal. And the one thing I did want to really talk to you about a lot, the fact that uh, you know the two sides of the family coin: regular life with your mom, and then another world of fame, celebrities, and etc. At your father's house, you lived in two completely different worlds. It sounds like. Oh yeah, it was totally different. It was it was so different, like, you know. I, when I would be at my father's, you know, was, uh, you know, the cook, housekeeper, and all those kind of things, and you know, yeah. driver when he went somewhere, or all those things. And then I would come home, my mother would be like, "Take out the garbage," you know. So she kept me definitely <laughs> yeah. grounded. She kept me, and I and I t- truly appreciate it. A lot of times when you're younger, you don't get it, but when you get older, and when you start realizing how you treat people, and how you act around people, and how you treat people the same way regardless of what their social economic uh, status is um, I, I'm so glad my mother was like that with me yeah well yeah it probably kept you grounded at a point that maybe you might be around today because of the way your, your mother handled things with oh, you which is a, mother, it, it a yeah. great thing yeah and staying out of LA when I was younger you know really living there when I was a teenager I think that helped a lot because my sister and Rain and I were talking about how that even right. friends that she knows from school are are just totally messed up now, and they're in their 40s and 50s and just screwed up. You know? Yeah, it's true. Now, how's Rain doing? I haven't talked to Rain in a few years. She used to come on the show all the time doing, several years ago. She's doing wonderful. She's doing really good. She's married. She lives in Baltimore, and she's actually working with, um, I believe, Norman Lear, working on adapting her uh, one-woman show into a, uh, a TV series. Wonderful. Well, you, I bet you better be on the TV yeah. series. That's all I got to say. Oh yeah, I hope so. She said I am. So, so, so working oh, so, on that, you know, and then also working nice. on my stuff. Yeah, she's very nice, and working on my stuff, trying to get that those things off the ground as far as a show and a screenplay for those my my book as well. So, you know, I got a busy few months ahead of me. Well, that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. We're talking to Richard Pryor Jr. about In a Prior Life, P-R-Y-O-R, for, for maybe uh, millennials who... Uh, yeah, I mean, how long has your father been dead now? It's been a while, hasn't it? 2005, he passed away. God, 14 years already. It'll, it'll be 14 years in December. Uh, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's just... The, uh, you know, your family, So, because that's the way you have to look at it. It's not just your father. It's what your father did with it. But your family, whether it's your you know, grandparents, uh, you know, your great-grandparents, uh, you know, your father Richard's grandparents, uh, just the way the whole life came together. I mean, he learned those things from growing up where he grew up in, in Peoria and, you know, just in the streets of Peoria and, and, and in the uh, house of ill repute, as they used to call it when I was a kid. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. but you know, you you are part of that as well. The whole thing. And do do people understand that it, that Richard did what he did using his childhood and his his you know early years and his twenties and all the rest of it? It was everybody that surrounded him, and you were a product of that. So you're all involved deeply in in what happened there. And your family changed comedy forever. There's no doubt about that. Do you think? 
Yeah, I I, I, I I understand it now as an adult, you know, especially yep. after, you know, my father passed away. You really, it opens your eyes to a lot of things, things that you didn't see and didn't notice and didn't appreciate. You tend to, after someone's gone, you really, those things really seem to magnify. Um, you know, a lot of many people would get up at, at, at the time when he did, would get up and tell about their life like that. You know, right. they'd sugarcoat things and tell other stories and just talk about things and not talk about real life and the things they've gone through. And he actually shared those things and was uh, uh, didn't repent for it and just said, no, this is the way it was and this is how my family was, this is the way we lived, this is what we did, deal with it. And that's pretty much the way he, he went about it. I have some, uh, some fond memories. My very best friend when I was a kid, a guy named Andy, uh, and, and we used to listen to, you know, uh, the only thing I can say is I, I can say super bicentennial and uh, yeah. is crazy. Those, that's what I have to call those three albums because yeah. I can't say the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we would listen yeah. to them and laugh. Yeah. So Andy has a little baby girl, right? And he just loves his little baby girl. But we used to sit and listen to, to you know, those albums and all the rest of it. And I remember one time he tried to comfort oh, his daughter. God. She was only a couple couple of weeks old right so he's trying to comfort her and she won't stop crying so finally he looks down and he goes bitch what's wrong with you <laughs> just like your father would have said it it was phenomenal <laughs> i will oh never forget God, that and we just started laughing like mad and, and for people who don't know what i'm talking about it's a very famous line uh you know from richard Pryor senior um i do have to have to uh, i know we only got a couple minutes left richard and i really appreciate your time today uh, the whole thing uh, about finding out your psychiatrist was in the same rehab, rehab at the same time, how did that happen? That was, it was insane. It was a, um, yeah. I was in rehab and they had a uh, thing like a care, you know, you follow up, what are you going to do? And are you going to see your, because you're seeing your psychiatrist? And I'm like, yes. And what's his name and all those things. And then I never get a sign off on it. Like, like saying, okay, that sounds good and everything. I'm like, wonder what's going on. So like a couple of weeks later, I go visit a friend who was still in the the rehab, and I'm walking down the hall, and I look to my left, and on the patient payphones in pajamas is my psychiatrist. <laughs> and I like freak out, and I'm looking, and the nurses are running out of the nurses station, and because they just realize that I've seen what I've seen. <laughs> And everybody's trying to calm me down. It was insane, crazy. And I was like, my God, how could, you know, I'm telling this, bearing my soul to this person, talking about what things I'm doing, and he's doing the exact same thing as me. Oh, God. It, it, what a great story this is. In a prior life, the name of the book. You said you have, uh, uh, you've been working on the stage quite a bit. You, you, you're, you're trying to get, uh, are, you gonna, are you going to get a movie made of your book? Because I think it would be, man, I'd go see it in a minute. I would, yeah. Yeah, I would love to do that. That's the thing. I know we've been in talks with uh, different production uh, companies and things that are interested and stuff like that. I just want to make sure if I, I do it, I do it right and it's done right and, um, all those things, because I, I think it's, an, it's a good story to share um, as far as, you know, is, what I'm, yeah. not just what I've gone through, but, you know, what people go through in general in life and how you can come, overcome obstacles and come out of those things. No doubt about it. I love the fact that you use your life to help others. I think it's a wonderful thing. There are a million more things I'd love to talk to you about. So if, uh, as things go along and your book sells more and more, please do come back because I got a million more questions for you, sir. Definitely, without a doubt, no problem. You're a good man. Thank you, Richard. We will be back, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called Absolutely. In a prior life, Richard Pryor Jr. will be back with the family right after this. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, 
super easy and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom here. Over the years, you've heard me go on and on about my eyes and how great I've been treated by the folks over at Whiting Clinic. Well, it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States and the trusted LASIK provider around these parts. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts that they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. For a limited time, mention my name and receive an additional $300 off your LASIK. That's $300 off Whiting Clinic's already low price for LASIK. Trust your eyes to Twin Cities LASIK experts. Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020 and don't forget to tell them Tom sent you. Offer expires March 31st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. Catherine, I think uh, Cassie is spinning out of control here. She's lost her mind. The songs that she's playing. I'm in an 80s I like mood it. today. <laughs> I am. I've been in an 80s like, mood. I want to hear synthesizers <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put on shoulder I do like pads this song. when I get home. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you hair. should. Oh, my God. Where? Oh, a oh Wheel, Wheel of, of Fortune. fortune. <laughs> it was on. Oh, my God. And you guys they are show, so They showed... Old. They showed this photo of Vanna White in this. Oh my God! 80s. It was that oh, that yeah. bright blue with the puffy shoulders. Oh, oh yeah. my God! We were laughing so hard. She looked like Cinderella. <laughs> it was such a bad dress. I know. She had this huge hair and this oh. bad dress. Oh. Vanna. It- she looked like she walked off the set of Dynasty or what? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she totally did. It was unbelievable. Vanna. It was very funny. It all works oh, out. Oh, now good. you want to come in. You wouldn't get off the couch before. I Judy. tell you what, our guests today, both of them, obviously Richard Pryor Jr., I, uh, from the time, I will never forget in LA, I think I've talked to you about this before. He left. Yeah, but we had, to uh, leave. we had to leave? I didn't know that. Yep. He has a barn to fix up. Oh, uh, he does. You're absolutely right. Is. He owns the farm now. He's got gonna... horses to brush. He has horses <laughs> I have a to brush. For you. He had an appointment. <laughs> farm to sweep. Oh. Oh, okay, good. Um, well, in any case, uh, has Dan ever seen the house, Andy? I mean, Alex? No, we've driven past it when we went to an, you a ask. wedding in Elk River, but we've never... No. Yeah, you should uh, You should go, and, and you should ask Nick if you can go into the house. Uh, Nick bought the farm that Catherine and I bought many, many years ago, and where our, uh, Alex was born, as a matter of fact, while we lived in that house. Andy was two years old. You should, you should take... Uh, Melissa and Dan and the two of you should go up there and, and tour the house. That'd be kind of cool that you could do that. We've I don't know it. if I'd want to. Why not? Because I remember it as our. It's like, different now. Yeah, yeah. Like going and seeing the our house, house is not as much different. Somebody else's house. He says he be... changed everything. Oh, he did. Is he a liar? Um, yeah. Well, I don't like, know. I seen liar, I just want to remember everything how I remember it. Not like oh, the last time I saw our house, it was totally different. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's like Dan when his parents were selling his childhood home. His brother, his twin brother Mike, wanted to keep going to the house every single like week yeah. during when they were yeah. emptying everything yep. out. And Dan's like, I don't want to see. I don't want the last time to see we see our house to be when it's empty. He's like, I want to yeah, remember it like as it's been with furniture and stuff. He's like, it would just be too sad to see it completely empty. That makes sense. Well, yeah. I do remember. I- so I should just keep the memories I have of when mom had to take Andy's bedroom door off so he'd stop slamming it. I remember that. I mean, that. like that one. <laughs> I remember then, that. Yeah. He should take the hinges a, off. I will absolutely <laughs> never forget when you first started walking. It was a coffee table, and you walked around the coffee table several times. I will never forget Actually, that. Actually, she ran before she walked, and it was the dining room table. It was a dining room table? I thought it was a coffee table. Nope. Well, how table. could she touch the table? Didn't touch I didn't. It. She it just was running around it. She just ran around <laughs> yeah, it. Like a lunatic. Andy's like, yeah. Mom, Alex is running around the co- the, di- the dining room table. And I'm like, no, she is. She can't even walk. I go in there. She's gleefully giggling and running around the table. Yeah. Well, there were some memories of Christmas mornings yeah. and the Halloweens and all that. No, you're right. You're probably right. Yes, Let, don't absolutely. go back there. 
Well, no, it's still a beautiful. It's still a beautiful property. It still is a very special property and all that. Yeah, and I don't think that going there would wreck any sort of. No, it wouldn't wreck memories that you have, but. Yeah, I don't know if I'd... I I would wait I would wait until Nick's done with the place because there was quite a bit of disarray well, damage throughout the years. Yes. A lot of disarray. Yeah, renting to people turns out to be not that great an experience. Sometimes. You know? Sometimes. Happens. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes true. But no, that is so great that uh that LA Nick and his his lovely wife ended up uh they they own the farm now, which is just terrific. Not and wife. It's what we wanted. Oh, they're girlfriend. not married? They're I thought it was a girlfriend. I thought you were married. Partner? No. I think. Nope. Life partner. So she's smarter yeah. than I thought. She's smarter <laughs> yeah. than I thought she was. She didn't marry. Not That's married. very good. <laughs> Mom, did you get the stuff I scanned you? Yes, thank okay. you. Just to make sure. That's why I was so late. I, was, I know, I mishandling all Richard my... Pryor Jr. thing, because I, I was did. dealing with a phone call about real estate. Well, he's coming back anyway. He wants to come back on because we have about 8,000 more things to talk about. He's had a very, very interesting life. Yeah. Yes, he has. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Like standing on, uh, what is it, Wilshire Boulevard or Hollywood Boulevard or something, screaming at the top of his lungs while he's on drugs. Uh, Other than that, though, everything went pretty smoothly, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in any case... um, yeah, but I just wanted to mention that that it's so nice that that that, that farm ended up in in the hands of friends. That's very see that part's very special to me. You know what I mean? Yes, I know. I, and he, and he and they really appreciate the farm. Like you know, they do. Yeah. yeah. Like Nancy really loves all the birds. I can't wait till she sees those cute little bluebirds coming up. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, true. I, there's a lot of stuff I miss about being out in the country. What's so great about that is that that farm has only had three owners in its history. Right. It was uh, Dave the builder, Williams. Yeah, the builder. The builder. who Dave Williams is the nephew of Bobby from Bobby and Steve's Auto World, because so, I've known him forever. It's but, a small world. <laughs> it is. So Bobby's nephew, uh, David Williams, built it. We bought it from David, and then uh, L.A. and Nancy uh, bought it from us. And hopefully so they'll owners. be there for a long time. I hope forever. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to live. There's no doubt about that. Well, so that's cool. I'm very nostalgic about the barn because I spent most of my time in the barn for a number of years. Just like right. playing in the barn and doing horse oh, yeah. stuff. And I was always in the barn for Me too. a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I went there. I had a... Um, my friend had a bridal shower in Big Lake, and I was like, oh, I'll drive past the old house on my way to the bridal shower. And I actually opened the gate and went down because I was like, we still own it. Like, I can still go down to the barn. And Well, that's true. You know, yeah. and so I drove down, and it was just, like, in really bad shape. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this is, this sucks. <laughs> well, originally, originally <laughs> oh, the, whole, nice. the barn was supposed to be burned down as a exercise for the firefighters because the whole place was was supposed to be developed but like 13 seconds after we signed the paperwork the economy crashed yep so i had yeah it was just kind of a long drawn out story but all works out in the end it'll be brought back to its former glory it will indeed it'll look great yeah i remember alex as a little girl she and i would go down to the barn where the big screen TV was. It, it was one of the first big screen TVs I'd ever seen. That The TV was about the size of normal houses. That thing was gigantic. Remember how big that thing was? When I met you, you had... No, no, I'm talking about the big one we had down at the barn. Oh, the yeah. The cabinet style. It was gigantic. It was yes. gigantic and weighed about 7,000 yes. pounds. But yes. Alex and I would go down to the barn and watch the Vikings because... Because Mom and Andy didn't have any interest in it, so you and I would go. Remember that we'd go down and watch. Oh football. yes, definitely. Oh, Those Andy went down there when you had you for know, the all those guys over. Yep, <laughs> for the <laughs> snacks. <laughs> Andy <laughs> came down for the, for the snacks. snacks. You yeah. go chow down and then leave. <laughs> you need yeah, that on a T-shirt, back. Andy. I came for the food. Yeah, here for the snacks. I came for the food. And there was always plenty of food. There was a lot. There was always food. plenty of food. Might have been some wine too, but I'm not sure. Anyway, a lot of screaming and carrying on. Oh my oh, God! What's good and happy? Well, my God, the screaming! Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it is <laughs> the Vikings. Like oh God, it just is like, the Vikings. I, you couldn't talk in the morning sometimes. <sighs> We're so crazy. <laughs> I was a huge. I mean, I, I the twins and the Vikings back in the day. 
Uh, I would get psychotic if they lost. There's no question about yes, it. Yes, you did. Well, I still do with the Twins, but you know. Uh, I want to go to a Twins game. I want to take Fonda one. They're looking good. They're they have a, a pitcher. They're I don't winning this year. I don't care. Several pitchers. What do you mean you don't care? I don't care. She wants to go for the snacks. Do. I want to go for the snacks. You're <laughs> no daughter of I'm mine. I'm there for the snacks. It's, and it's fun. Like, baseball is not exactly like the most exciting game. They just run 90 oh, feet. I love and then, it. I, I mean, love it. But well, it's still, if they're it's good. A, it's a yeah. fun thing to go to. And it's like if the weather's nice, the stadium's outside, and the food's good. Yeah, it's just like a, I it's like a that fun too. day. Mm-hmm. Your twins are winning 3-1 to one right now with one out in the top of the fifth, 2-2. Two and two. On Polanco. Did they win yesterday? They did. Oh, five wow. to four. They so, won in ten innings. They should have lost that game. Absolutely. Wow. But they won uh, five to four in uh, yeah, the tenth looking, inning. They're looking good. Do you they to, got something going. What is the age that you have to pay for a ticket at the at Target Field? Does anybody know? I think you have to be like five. Oh really? I don't think they're gonna card Fawn. I don't think they're carding. Fawn, what? Give me. Let me well, see that driver's and Fawn license. Fawn looks like she's just turning to half yeah. the time. So. Yeah, she's so <laughs> tiny. My she's God, so tiny. she's the she's same. a wisp of a girl. Believe it or not, she yeah, gained four yeah, pounds is. this year. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, that was just wow. from going to Disney World. <laughs> Holy Hannah, there was yeah, a lot too. of food I down there. Me too. I gained four pounds in Disney World. I lost Good two pounds. God. I don't usually weigh myself. Yeah, I don't usually weigh myself, but Fawn goes on the scale sometimes, and sometimes she'll be like, "No, you do it," and I'm like, "Okay." And like, so the last time I weighed myself, I don't even remember. So it ends up being every couple weeks because she asked me to do it. And yeah, I lost two pounds. Well, that's pretty cool. I don't. We were walking around a lot. I was busy. Yeah, you have to hold. Yeah, you have to hold a twenty-two pound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was walking around with twenty pounds on me the entire time, basically. So. Yeah. yeah that's well, that's right. Yeah, you got tons of a ton. Well, we did get a ton of exercise. We walked, I believe. I think it's all salt, we, water, weight. It is. Yeah. No, it is absolutely. Yeah. When you go out to eat, it's a lot of sodium. A little bit of bloating. Yeah. Well, and Alex and I kept track of it. On the three days we were there, I walked sixty thousand steps. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. The first day. Twenty thousand a day. Yeah. Yeah. The first day I was like eighteen thousand because Dad, you took walks. For me, walks. it was twenty-one thousand. Yeah, because yeah. you went yeah. to the gym before we went to the parks right. every day, so you got more steps than yeah. everybody else. But I was—I'm usually the highest steps out of everybody because I'm the shortest. So I take mm-hmm. more steps. Well, so you than take a lot else. of steps. Yeah, so yeah. you take a lot of steps. Yeah, so like that's true. Dan will have you know fifteen thousand and I'll have seventeen thousand or something because I'm like I'm moving more. But yeah. Yeah. Well, was, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah, it was like seventeen thousand the first day, fourteen thousand the second day, and then the third day, I think it was only like ten because we didn't. Oh, really? Because I did more the third day. Well, but but I went for that early walk around the boardwalk. I yeah. walked around the boardwalk a few times. But yeah, it was it was so much fun taking two little kids to Disney because right. Sage, even though you know he's less than a year old, he was just fascinated by. Why was he dancing again? What was the, he dancing to? The tiki tiki tiki, room. tiki hut. Oh, the tiki, tiki, tiki room. Or the room. <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh, the god. Tiki, tiki, tiki was so. Room. <laughs> he was seriously. He was sitting he on my him. lap and he was literally doing this. He would like raise his hands in the air and then collapse <laughs> on my leg and then he'd just be like. Wow. <laughs> and he was like looking was at wonderful. everything and was just like ah was. So funny. Well, it's probably the most like sensory overload he's yeah. ever had in his life. So, and he was asleep during a yeah. lot of the rides. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, and there's this totem pole. Asleep. Yeah, there's this totem pole that all of a sudden just like comes to life, and all the little characters on the totem pole start singing and mm. blinking and stuff. He was just like, "That is the coolest thing I've ever." <laughs> Seen in my life. Love. It, did go wild. it was so cute. Today, today, Fawn was like, and she was just talking to herself in the hallway, and she's like, and we went to Disney World, and we're not going to do the bug ride because there's too many people in here. We were in this, we were waiting in this very small, very enclosed area to get into a 3D movie, and they kept mentioning how there's loud noises and fog and darkness, and Fawn's really sensitive to loud noises. And so I was like, right. she's going to freak out. Like, we can't do this. This is, <laughs> And I was getting, and I think I was, like, dehydrated or hadn't eaten enough or something, and I was like, we have to get out of here immediately. <laughs> like, we need to get out of this little room. And then we went into the theater, and I was like, okay, we'll sit down. Maybe we'll do it. And then they mentioned again, like, there are loud, loud noises and darkness and fog. And I was like, we just need to leave. She's not going to like this at all. 
Yeah. Your there were loud noises in all of the rides and darkness, and no, she was fine. No, it, like I think it was like booming, and I mean, you saw the people filtering yeah, out loud. of there with small Just kids. Just admit, after. you freaked out. I did. You lost I, it. I Just did. admit I it. it. I said I freaked out. I said I was like, I need to get out of here immediately. I just was like, well, what are you gonna do? It was like, wow, such a cool thing. I don't know. I have your answer for twins tickets for okay. children. Any child mm-hmm. less than thirty inches in height is free. Mm-hmm. Well, thirty inches. What is she like? Twenty-one uh, inches. Oh, how tall she is? That's kind of ages. How many inches or she is? Heightest. She's short <laughs> for her age. So, yeah, well, she if you have a tall kid, that's not right. That's what it says. Which means, ba- do you say thirty inches? Yeah. Thirty inches. Yeah. That's so weird. I couldn't have gone in when I was like six months old because I, when I was born, yeah. I was two feet tall. I have to pay for that long baby. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that's yeah, that's weird. Two and a half My mother. Feet. So yeah, two and a half feet. Tall. So I was, that's not very tall. I no. was six inches short of when I was born. I weighed eleven pounds and was twenty-four inches long. So well, but if you look at the uh, average person with... in Florida, I mean, that's true. They're all about two feet tall. That's Sage very was true. twenty-two got, inches. I Mm. Yeah, he was very yeah, he tall. Was. He was a huge baby. Are they measuring those children? I was going to say, they make a question by a wall. Probably, probably not. not. That's just what it says on the MLB. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing if you have to have a seat for them, right? Yeah. If you have yeah. to have a seat, that's probably. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. if you have, that have, have, have a make seat, sense. you have to pay. Yeah. Which fun okay. wouldn't We care. will be back right after this, just a couple of minutes with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Let's rock out, man. Oh my gosh. I just got a, I got a text message from her nanny and she said that mm-hmm. they were playing like she made a fake stage and Fawn um said that the next performance they were going to be putting on was called Puppy Time in the Spring. <laughs> Puppy <laughs> Time in the Spring. I like it. <laughs> Puppy like, eating see, pizza. I want to see that. Puppy Time in the Spring. Puppies. Why wouldn't you want to see Puppy when Time in the Spring? When did she say we were on the fart train again in Disney? You came over to our what, house What when ride you were... were we on? No, we, no, we were on a ride and she said we're on the fart train again. Oh, when we were in the golf ball. <laughs> oh, the golf ball. The, fart train. Whatever it's called. <laughs> Oh my God, why can't I think of what it's called? Uh, spaceship Earth. Yeah, Spaceship Earth. Yeah, she kept yeah, being like, we're on the fart train. Oh my God, she <laughs> loves farts so much. I've got to ask uh, Minnesotans, because I was born in Long Prairie, Minnesota, grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I love Minnesota. Uh, what are you thinking? Okay, Washington Examiner interviewed uh, Ilan Omar this week. Representative Ilan Omar, a Somali refugee-turned-Democratic congresswoman from Minnesota, said in a published interview last Friday that living in the United States under President Trump's administration is an everyday assault on her. 
Omar, brave, 37, best. Brave person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Best known for enmity, she's stirring up over allegations American lawmakers supportive of Israel have been bought off. In a Vogue, uh, Vogue Arabia interview, Omar lamented her difficulties living in America during the Trump era. Um, he said, uh, oh, here, I want to get this. It's an everyday assault. Every day a part of your identity is threatened, demonized, and vilified. Trump is tapping into an ugly part of our society and freeing its ugliness. It's been a challenge to try to figure out how to continue the inclusion, how to show up every day and make sure that people who identify with all marginalized identities. How many Muslims are there in the world? Aren't there more than, than honkies? Much more, yes. Okay, so what are we talking about, marginalized well, people? the problem that she's having is that people are pushing back on her policies yeah, and what true. is she saying, yeah. and she doesn't like it. Uh, I can't take it. And so what do you do when somebody is attacking you for your policies and what you're saying? Mm -hmm. You just throw it back in their face and say it's because of who I am. Well, but the problem is you can't go as a congresswoman and say, you know, those Jews, uh, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, I think that's the harsh reality that she's... uh, She's denying living in right now. I mean, she's she's living in a world where everything you say is going to be scrutinized because you're working as a public servant. Should be scrutinized. Yes. 100% scrutinized. What do you think of that, sister? I agree. Mm. Not you. I'm talking to Omar. Ow. Uh, in any case, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't really understand what the hell we're doing in America anymore. I don't get it. And well, good luck. Good luck trying to understand I it. I cannot understand it. There's it's no sort of like airline it. fairs. I think they're keeping it so confusing <laughs> oh my God. That, that nobody nobody can figure it out, That's so they hilarious. just stop trying. I suppose it's true, but I don't know. It's The whole thing is amazing to me. Wait a minute. What? This can't, this can't be in St. Paul, Minnesota. This has to be a different St. Paul Cathedral. Oh, it's in London. Thank oh. Man. Oh, a the, teenager fell. What, what's that? Yeah, the St. Paul Cathedral. It is, yeah. <laughs> Original. Uh, uh, the teen falls to death in St. Paul's Cathedral, death oh not God. being treated mm-hmm. as a suspicious mm-hmm. cop. Say, late Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. St. Paul's Cathedral tweeted that it was shutting down for the rest of the day. News on why soon followed. A teenager fell to his death from the building's whispering gallery, almost 260 steps up, 100 feet inside the dome. A City of London police spokeswoman says a report came in just before 4 p.m. local time that a male in his late teens had fallen from the gallery. His death isn't being treated as suspicious. The Evening Standard reports a London ambulance service rep says the young man died at the scene despite efforts to resuscitate him. CNN notes a woman plunged to her death from the Whispering Gallery just two years ago. Maybe we should put a fence up. What do you think? Jeez. Hmm. Yeah. My word. Or a a higher fence. That'd be good. Yeah. That's terrible. God, at first I was thinking of you know, the St. Paul Cathedral. You're absolutely right. I don't know. What am I going to tell you? Just I, I just saw that. It's like, my God, how sad is that situation? You go there, St. Paul's Cathedral, and you end up dead. Yeah. Yikes. You Did you know see what's any... going on in Brunei? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I saw what's going on in Brunei. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, uh, any two men that, well, we talked about it earlier, Catherine. I yeah. think you were out of the room. Oh, when I said if sorry. two men are having sex, they get killed. If two women are having sex, they get lashes. So it's kind of okay for women to have sex with one another, but not men. Are you talking about Brunei? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... No, I'm not. I'm talking about St. Paul and Minneapolis. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just, I did not know that they had different uh, viewpoints on female and male gay people. I didn't they either. Do. I found that out today. Yeah, they do indeed. Apparently, it's, it's much worse for men to be gay than it is for women to be gay, which I don't really understand how it's any of your damn business anyway. But, um, yeah, we talked about that earlier. I think you were... Uh, yeah, I was out. You are taking a nap or something. No, or something. I was out <laughs> doing real estate business. Eating Real bon, estate bon. business? Yeah, she was As out I eating bonbons. That's exactly right. There's no question about that. What is a bonbon? Uh, what is a bonbon? I don't even know. What is a bonbon? A bonbon is probably like a truffle, right? Wouldn't it? I think I so, hear yeah. bonbons all the time. And I'm like, what's a bon? What is that? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. How about this story? But the woman jumped into a car, thought it was her Uber. Did you hear about that? Yes. No. What? Samantha Josephson's body was found within hours of her being reported missing on Friday, but it took days for officials to reveal her cause of death. The state law enforcement division said in a Monday news release, the 21-year-old University of South Carolina student died of multiple sharp force injuries. 
The state reports on an uh, SLED rep, whatever that is. Uh, wouldn't comment on what type of weapon may have been used or whether a weapon was recovered, but it did note arrest warrants released Sunday that elaborated Josephson, who apparently got into a vehicle she mistook for her Uber ride, <sighs> suffered numerous wounds evident on multiple parts of her body to include her head, neck, face, upper body, leg, and foot. Nathaniel Rowland, 24, is being held on murder and kidnapping charges. Are yes. there that many people sitting in cars just waiting to murder people that you accidentally get into the wrong car, you're going to get murdered? Or was he know. pretending? Well, That's this one the did. thing about the whole Uber X, is it? That it you just it's anybody's car. It's not like a black car. It's a, yep. just like anybody's car. It, it kind of freaks me out. Yeah, but yeah, they've got. A, if you're using your Uber app, you get their license plate number. You get yeah, you a do. photo well, of yeah, the I person know. driving the car. I don't even. I get, no matter which kind of Uber it is. No, I know. But there's it's like still sex- six different kinds now. I know, but it's just like you know. In the past, you'd look for you know a black sedan, and that would be your car. So it would be more difficult to mistake your uber for something else but now it's just like you know i suppose somebody's blue camry like whatever you know it's just i don't know i always definitely i check out the license plate even if i'm with a group of people i, I check yeah. out the license plate and make oh, sure yeah. it's the right person yes and you look for the uber I wait they for, have to have yeah. the uber thing yeah. i wait for them to ask if yeah. I am the person. Yeah, I would never just like yeah. get in a yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, ever. like you don't just yeah. like be like, oh, are you on my ride? Like you let them tell yeah. you because they know who you are. Yeah, like, Alex. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dan was telling us that he, that when he was little with Mike, that the twins got into a stranger's car and were buckled up. And the two girls who were supposed to be in the car got into their car. Yeah, and buckled <laughs> oh. up, like in a parking lot. <laughs> and buckled up. Yeah. It's like, whoa. It was just like, the wrong van. Like, okay, Good thing it was in Wilmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a good thing it was in Wilmer. Yeah, exactly. Um, several people asked me to read this story, so I'm going to uh, bring it to you. Uh, I think, Catherine, you were talking to somebody about Seattle is dying on the phone this morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Lindsay about that documentary. Tons of people are, uh, wanted to hear about this. KOMO's Eric Johnson explores the impact the drug and homelessness problems having on the city of Seattle and possible solutions in this documentary titled Seattle is Dying. Let me ask you something. What if Seattle is dying? We don't even know what Johnson asked in the introduction. This story is about a wave of seething anger that is now boiling over into outrage. It is about people who have felt compassion, yes, but who no longer feel safe no longer feel like they are heard, no longer feel protected. It is about lost souls who wander our streets, untethered to home or family or reality, chasing a drug which in turn chases them. It is about the damage they inflict on themselves, to be sure, but also on the fabric of this place where we live. Again, this is Seattle, Washington. This story is about a beautiful jewel that is being violated and a crisis of faith among a generation of Seattleites falling out of love with their home. There's another... Look, we told you before it ever even happened... You turn your city over to those ideals, and you're going to lose your ass. You're going to lose the city. You can't do that. It's so irritating that the rhetoric is about that it's it's veterans. It's all people with, you know, uh, disorders and this and that and the other thing. It's most of the problem are drugs. Yes, it's mostly drug addicts, yeah. And if you keep on giving drug addicts access to things and enabling them to be drug addicts that live on the street, you're going to continue having the problem. You have to address the root cause of everything, don't you? Yeah, you you do. You absolutely do. And we got to stop pretending. Well, it's the way a certain party gets people to vote for them by going, oh, look at this horrible problem we have. You know what? As a kid, I used to love going downtown Minneapolis. All the way up into my 30s, I would love going to downtown Minneapolis. I thought it was a ball. You can't go downtown Minneapolis anymore after dark. You're putting yourself in danger if you do that. No. What have you done to our city? You know, that's what I'd like to ask people like Jacob Fry. Is that his name, Jacob Fry? Yes. Um, what have you done to our city? You can't even go downtown anymore and, and feel safe. What the hell is that? Highest, some of the highest taxes in the United States of America, and they want to make it the highest tax state in America, 14.5% top rate. Did you see that? Tim Walls, our governor, wants to raise our state income tax from 9.5% to 14.5%. I'm here to tell you, everyone with more than about $20 is going to move out of the state. It'll be a very, very cold L.A. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I, I don't know. Cold and empty. It's just sad. 
It's just sad what they're doing in some of the greatest cities in America. You cannot turn your cities over to, well, first of all, people, the second they hear that you're going to help out uh, people in need, they're going to make sure that they're in need because they want free stuff. Yeah. Well, the places that have been able to deal with the homeless problem are, I think, Rhode Island. Yeah, there's it's three like, people there. Well. <laughs> and two of those are gone because it's Doug Sprinthal but, and Michael Brown. Yeah, just and places like San Francisco, they, they just keep pouring money into the problem, and they don't. Like I said, if you don't fix the root of the of the problem, you're not going to be able to fix anything. No, that's exactly right. And by the way, it gave birth to a, a very well-paying job, though, because apparently, 165 grand a year to clean poop off the sidewalks. Not enough. Wow. <laughs> Did you know that, Andy? No. I did not. 165 grand a year cleaning up human poop off the sidewalks. Yeah, the problem is $165,000 a year doesn't go too far in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that That's is the problem. like making yeah. 20 grand. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very true. Well, which is part of also is part of the problem as well. I mean, housing costs are really, really high in these cities, but it's like I'm mm-hmm. sorry if you don't if you can't work in the tech industry or whatever, maybe Living in downtown San Francisco isn't going to be someplace you get to live. Yeah, no. Let me ask you a question about that. If Andy or Alex had become a drug addict, do you think we'd have turned our backs on them? Of course we wouldn't have. We'd have done everything we possibly could to help them. They'd be tied to a chair in the basement. I do think that there's a certain point with, you know, people, even when it's your family, that for self-preservation, you have to be like, I'm yeah, done. I'm yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Do what yeah, you're going to do. Absolutely. I'm done. Like, I've done everything that I can. I can't do this anymore. You don't care. Bye-bye. Even if it's your well, kid, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, there's, well, yeah. there's yes. a point. So yeah. I mean, we have a good friend that, you know, put his daughter through treatment twice yeah. and tried to do everything and nothing helped. Yeah, what can you do? She's, yeah. She OD'd. They're yeah, going to do what they're, yeah, they're going to do what yeah. they're going to do. Even it's like, and you're just going to exhaust yourself trying to help them. And if they don't want help, they're, it's, oh, yeah, there's no point I know. in trying. You, you hear all the time people refinancing their house, spending all of their savings on trying to get their kids clean a kid and it doesn't work yeah no you're absolutely right it's just fair look there are people who are homeless because they cannot function and those people do need our help i'm not denying that there are people with with conditions some mental illness they cannot help themselves absolutely we should help them and do whatever we can to help them but these people are taking a free ride off the backs of the mentally ill which is what you're doing by the way pretending to be homeless is not funny so, you know, that's the whole problem we have. But we it is need easy. to help the people who... Yeah, it is. It's very, very easy because they don't have to work. Uh, I, I know that uh, we only got about 40 seconds here, but I have a friend who runs a construction company. He has to hire people, some of them to just sit in trailers because there has to be diversity on his crew. Oh, my God. And he hires some people, of, and, and I guess it's people of all, you know, all makes... Uh, some of them just sit in the trailer and make 20 bucks an hour doing nothing because they have to be hired. Yeah. And this is not, you know, just people of color. It's white people, too. They sit in the trailer and make it 20 bucks, 800 bucks a week to do nothing. And how might I acquire this job? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, It wouldn't be enough money for you anyway. Don't kid yourself, pal. You heard me. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, We'll just keep an eye on the world for you. That's all I can say. Mm. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.